From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of NAPS Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. One of the most significant sections of the Postal Reform Act of 2022 was the provision to create within the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program a new health insurance program tailored for postal employees and retirees. This new program, which commences in January 2025, will be managed by the Office of Personnel Management. The agency, along with its predecessor, the United States Civil Service Commission, has administered the Federal Employees Benefits Program since its inception more than 60 years ago. Clearly, with a little more than a year and a half until its implementation, the Postal Service Health Benefits Program that the Postal Service is rolling out it is rolling it out in a deliberate, methodical, and collaborative way. With me today is one of the key postal staff members to help ensure a smooth transition. Carla Kirby is the executive manager for the Postal Health Benefits Program. Carla has 20 years of experience in human resources and benefits. In addition, Carla is co-host of the United States Postal Service podcast, Mailing It. Thus, we are fortunate to have her on Naps Chat. Welcome to Naps Chat, Carla. Thanks, Bob, for having me. I appreciate being here. Carla, let's start off by asking you, what is your responsibility with regard to the implementation of the new Postal Health Benefits Program? So as the executive manager for the Postal Service Health Benefits Program, my role is to make sure, exactly like you said, the implementation runs smoothly. So under the guidance of my director and senior executive director, Dana Kotman and Stephen Dara, we are working very closely with the unions, also with OPM and other stakeholder agencies to make sure that our employees and annuitants are informed and knowledgeable about the changes that are forthcoming and that we roll it out smoothly. Now, there's going to be a learning curve, whether it's steep or gentle, in a large part will determine on how receptive the postal community is to the information that is presented to them. So I'd like to ask you, how can employees and annuitants obtain information about the Postal Service Health Benefits Program? So first and foremost, we will be rolling out a comprehensive education um, plan that includes, plan and program that includes employees and annuitants. Employees right now can visit Light Blue and get information on the PSHB page, and our annuitants can visit keepingposted.org to get information. And the quickest way to stay abreast is to text PSHBP to 39369 to get text updates about when new information is available. And how will this information be rolled out? So we're going to use all of the channels uh, that are available to us. So we're going to be sending information out via mail. We're going to be sending information out via email. We're going to be partnering with the unions, as you can attest, to work at using their channels of communications also. So everything at our disposal we will be using. To remind our listeners, when is the effective date that the Postal Service Health Benefits Plan will actually come into being? 
and what are the important dates to remember as we approach its implementation? So as you mentioned, we will roll out the plan on January 1st of 2025. And what will happen prior to that is the commencement of open season, which will run from the second Monday in November to the second Monday in December of 2024. So the standard open season period that everybody has will be that opportunity in 2024 to make your election for the new plan. So the timing will be about the same as they're accustomed to through the normal Federal Employees Health Benefits Program? Correct. That's what we have planned as of now. Will they get some inkling about the plan options prior to open season? We're working very closely with OPM to make sure that the plan information is available as soon as possible. Other than participants in this new Postal Service Health Benefits Plan, being limited to members of the postal family, what potential differences, if any, would you anticipate between the traditional Federal Employees Health Benefits Program and the new Postal Service Health Benefits Program? Honestly, Bob, as a program within FEHB, I don't think there are going to be very many differences. You may see a little bit more that do integration with Medicare than you see on FEHB, but other than that, very comparable. So we would assume that many of the plans that we are familiar with in the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program, like Blue Cross Blue Shield, the union plans, GIHA, and so forth, will likely also be in the Postal Service Health Benefits Program. That is a safe assumption. However, there might be some premium differences, and I know the Congressional Budget Office has projected premium savings to Postal Service participants as a result of Medicare integration. Um, I know that has been one of the projections, but as the first year in, in inception, you wouldn't necessarily see that savings. So I anticipate that the premiums will be on par. On par, because we have to build up the reserves exactly. in, the, in year one. And get the to, experience. Mm -hmm. How do you think the HMOs will operate in the new Postal Service Health Benefits Plan? The same way that it operates in FEHBP, although it's a very small, it's a much smaller population we're dealing with. You know, there are people who are like, you know, I, I, I would assume out in California, the big Kaiser plans would continue to be interested in our, in our community. Well, I can say from the, the little bit of feedback we've gotten, there seems to be a lot of interest from the carriers. We do represent a large portion of FEHB between 20 and 25 percent. So I think there is a substantial interest that we can assume that most of the carriers will come on board with PSHB also. When they come across their first open season, they must make an election in that open season. They just can't let it ride. Is that correct? Well, um, yes and no. We want to encourage everyone to make a positive election. Look at the plans that are available and select the plan that best suits you and your family. However, we're also cognizant that there will be some people that don't make an election. And so for those that do not make an election, they will be transitioned to a comparable plan. Now, what that comparable plan is, is yet to be determined because, of course, the plans are yet to be determined. And that decision would be made by the Office of Personnel Management. Would that be accurate? That is correct. So one might assume that if you were participating in a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan in FEHBP 
and you decided not to, for whatever reason, you didn't make an election, there'd be a high probability you would remain in a comparable Blue Cross Blue Shield plan in the new Postal Service Health Benefits plan. I think that's a pretty good assumption. And let me just come back to something, and uh, I know you said it before, but I think it's important for our folks to understand that, that when do you expect open season 2024 information to be available, and how will that particular information be shared with prospective Postal Service Health Benefits Program participants? So as I mentioned, um, open season runs in that mid-November to mid-December. Uh, typically, we would send out our open season communications in October. But given the magnitude of this type of change, we're going to be accelerating that and sending it out as soon as we have the plan information available. This will be shared on, on the web. It will be mailed also. That is correct. So typically we send out several postcards and mailers out during open season that include both employees and annuitants. We also put the information in our retiree e-newsletter that goes out monthly. We also put information in our triannual mailer that goes out to the annuitants. And as usual, of course, we want to partner with our unions to push out the information just for a change of this magnitude. Do you envision, I know this is we're emerging from the pandemic, but do you envision those old FEHBP health fairs taking place again, which will be catered to the Postal Service population? Now, ironically enough, post-pandemic, we have participated in some on-site fairs. So we're not opposed to doing that, but we absolutely want to support all of our different stakeholders. So to the extent that we can provide information and other types of support to locations we're unable to get to, we will absolutely do that. A lot of retirees, and we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about ret postal retirees in, in a minute or so, but a lot of retirees are concerned, I guess, about not being in the loop because we've become so acclimated to receiving information via the internet. What type of communication do you anticipate for the retiree population? So as I mentioned, we do a triannual hard mailer, like in the U.S. mail. We also send a series of postcards out. We also send an open season pamphlet that includes uh, various information about how to stay connected, how to use our consumer checkbook guide, which allows them to compare plans in their area. So we continue to work with our population, and I think meet them where they are as far as communicating out information. I know the preliminary fact sheets about the program for both employees and annuitants have been circulated by the Postal Service recently. And a lot of the Postal Associations, the unions, the management associations and the like, including NAPS, have done so. Could you talk a bit about the collaboration that went into drafting these important documents? Absolutely. So in working with our Labor Department here, uh, Tom Bloom, Jennifer Breslin, Bruce Nicholson, as well as my director and senior executive director that I mentioned, and the unions, we had a great collaborative effort going back and forth, looking at the information, deciding on how it would be best received by our employee and annuitant populations. We've continued to meet on a regular basis, and we hope to continue the collaboration into the education that will go out to employees and to the annuitants. So the Postal Service is inclined to go out, like if any of the associations 
including NAPS, has state conventions or uh, meetings of that like that you're invited to or that the Postal Service is invited to, you would not be averse to designating someone to come and help educate the employees and the retirees attending those events. We are not adverse, and we have done so. And we encourage those that may want someone to come out and share information, even if it's pre-recorded and we have to send it, to reach out to us here at uh, Benefits and Wellness, and we can look at those requests and see which ones we can accommodate. But we are absolutely prepared to go out and speak face-to-face with our employees and annuitants. Let me ask you this. We are now, the, the bill was, was signed into law a little more than a year ago. The Postal Service and selected stakeholders have been deeply involved in trying to chart the path of its implementation. Preliminary regulations have recently been uh, released by the Office of Personnel Management in collaboration with the Postal Service. What is the current status of the rollout of the Postal Service Health Benefits Program? And have there been any surprises or speed bumps along the way? I wouldn't say there have been any surprises or speed bumps. As a new program, I think you go in kind of with an open canvas. You don't know what to expect. We had a pretty good idea of what we would be facing. So I think for now, it's it's been pretty good. Um, we've established a great working relationship with OPM as well as SSA. So I think we're in a good place to move forward. One of the concerns that has been raised, and the employee associations have been uh, educating particularly our retirees who might be Medicare eligible uh, about this issue, but many current postal retirees have been anxious about Medicare Part B enrollment, uh, whether or not they'd be required to enroll, they would not have to enroll, what options would be available to them. Could you explain who would be exempt from enrolling in Medicare Part B as a condition for continued enrollment in the Postal Service Health Benefits Program? That is a great question, and that whole scenario is one of the reasons we created the fact sheets to begin with, is to ease some of the anxiety. So current postal annuitants, as well as those that are annuitants as of 1-1 of 2025, will not be required to enroll in Medicare Part B. However, they will have the option. There will be a select population that are already 65. When we start the uh, special enrollment period, that can enroll in Medicare Part B voluntarily without having to pay the late enrollment penalty. How will that happen? When will they be notified that they are eligible to enroll in Part B without penalty? You are full of great questions this afternoon. So we are currently working with OPM to craft that messaging and to develop the timeline. So the law itself, as well as the regulations, indicate that that special enrollment period will begin on April 1st of 2024. So we anticipate having information out to eligible annuitants in that December, January timeframe, and then sending out continuous reminders through the end of that special enrollment period. And when that special enrollment period closes, current retirees would not be provided, as far as we know at this point in time, unless Congress decides to open it up again, the uh, period of uh, 
penalty-free enrollment would close. Yes, and that's, again, just for those that are already 65 and older when we launched the special enrollment period that didn't previously take advantage of their Medicare uh, initial period. Those annuitants who are not 65 but are already annuitants will still have their enrollment period once they turn 65, which starts three months prior to their birthday, the month of their 65th birthday, and three months uh, following their 65th birthday. So those folks who have retired but are not yet eligible for Medicare Part B, that is, they haven't turned 65 yet, they have a choice yeah. of whether or not they, without, and they could still participate in the Postal Service Health Benefits pl Plan, even if they don't enroll in Part B, or they could enroll in Part B. That is correct. However, for the, those folks who re, who are not retired upon on the date of enactment and are not over the age of, of 64, 64, they would, as a requirement of continued participation in the Postal Service Health Benefits Plan, they would have to enroll in Part B. They would have to enroll in Part B, like myself. However, if they're still working at age 65, the requirement will not hit them at that point. It will hit them when they retire, and they'll have an eight-month period from their date of retirement to enroll. Now, there are some other exemptions. That is, if you are participating in another federal, federally sponsored health plan, like the Veterans Administration, Bureau of Indian Health Services, or if you live overseas— Yes. So those are the three exemptions. So of the group that will be required, there are three exemptions, as you mentioned. If you are participating in the Department of Veterans Affairs Health Insurance, so a CHAMP VA TRICARE, if you are eligible for Indian Health Services benefits, and if you're living abroad. One of those One conditions. of those is an exception to exempt you from having to do mandatory Medicare Part B enrollment. If you're eligible for VA benefits or you or Indian or uh, Bureau of Indian Fair benefits, but you drop out of that program at some future point, for whatever reason, at that point, would you have to enroll in Medicare Part B? So we're still finalizing regulations. So I anticipate probably early 2024, late 2023, we will have that ironed out, and, and that'll be part of our comprehensive education so people know exactly what is expected of them, especially for the population that will have the requirement. We're going to rely a lot on this education program, how it's rolled out, you know, how it's rolled out and communicated to our members and to postal employees, postal retires, and so forth. Who's going to be doing the education? How is that, you know, are, are there, is there going to be a designated staff? Is it going to be by OPM? Is it going to be by uh, the Postal Service? Who's going to be ultimately responsible for the education process? Honestly, we are here in benefits and in wellness. We are going to be responsible. So we are still examining, you know, other resources that we may need to include. But we also have, you know, a, a wide variety of partnerships that we plan to take advantage of. And then again, you know, I, I don't want to belabor this point, no pun intended, but our labor partners are going to be a large part of that effort. You've built the trust with the employees and the annuitants, and we want to work with you to push information out to make sure that we are blanketing all channels that are available. A while back when I was working on Capitol Hill, I, there was a very small issue that came up that 
sort of replicates this type of issue, and that's when the Aetna indemnity plan dropped out of FEHBP, and you had a significant number of uh, retirees particularly who didn't know exactly what to do, and OPM had to conduct a major education program for that finite population. And it, you know, it was challenging, but you know, this is before the inter before the internet took steam and everything and so forth. So, yeah, I, I can imagine the task that we're all, all going to face as we embark on this new program. My last question for you, some have characterized the rollout, as I have, as a Herculean task, a really major task. It's a new thing. Our folks are very anxious about it, you had mentioned. And its success is going to be the result of the interaction of a number of different federal agencies. Clearly, the Postal Service is in the middle of it. It's all our people. But the Office of Personnel Management is involved. The uh, Medicare, Medicaid Services is going to be involved. The VA is involved. Bureau of Indian Affairs is going to be involved. Thus far, how has the interaction or interagency communications and work and collaboration uh, worked? So you forgot one, Social oh, Security Administration. Social Security Administration, <laughs> I apologize. But we have worked very collaboratively, pretty well, I would say. We have incremental meetings where we touch base. And again, even though the education does sit with the Postal Service, we have committed to, of course, and the law says, uh, that we will still work with our partners to make sure we're all on the same page and we're all pushing out the same information. I'm going to have one last question. Okay. Things are going to happen between now and, let's say, November 2024. Would you be willing to come on again if as things happen and there, if, if there's information that we need to exchange for our members? Absolutely. As long as I've got all the check boxes and approvals, I'm more than happy to come back and share information. Any last words, Carla? Thank you for having us. Um, please go out, check out keepingposted.org or Light Blue. If you're an employee, uh, text that code PSHBP to 39369 on your cell phones to get the most up-to-date information. And stay tuned. And I'm also going to do a pitch for Mailing It, the uh, podcast that you're a co-host of. Absolutely. Please subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. We put out an episode uh, monthly, and we just actually finished up one with PMG DeJoy on Delivering for America and our two-year anniversary into that plan. So make sure to check it out. Okay. I want to thank Carla Kirby of the United States Postal Service for joining us this week on NAPS Chat. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Bob. And I want to thank NAPS Chat listeners for logging on. If you enjoy NAPS Chat, please leave us a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store, and more importantly, share NAPS Chat with your friends and colleagues. On that note, be safe and be healthy. I'm on the fence right down and write myself a letter.